Is any 
you see where the presence and the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we believe that. And we proclaim that. Because he is here today. Step out of the shadows. Step out of the grave. Break into the wild. And don't be afraid.
Father, we thank you that where you are, where your presence is, there is freedom. We know that your arms are open. We are pursuing you, Father, in your fullness. Because the weight of this world is heavy. Is it so heavy? Mm. I've carried a burden too long on my own. I was in
friends, would you be seated this morning as we prepare together to receive communion? You should find on your seat or the seat next to you a little communion kit that looks like this. And if you're unfamiliar, let me just show you. It's kind of a two-part thing. You peel back the top, uh, a little covering there, and you'll find the bread. And then you peel back the lid that's just underneath that, and, and you find the juice. The Holy Spirit says, when you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. I formed you there. I saw you before any other eyes beheld your form. And no mother, no father has ever loved you more than I do. And I see you gathered here now with my other children. And it warms my heart that you would count yourself one of mine. For indeed, I count you one of mine only because you believe. And he says this, Remember your first love. Remember that moment when you first believed. Return to that place in your heart. Friends, your first love came when you realized God had something to give you. His grace, His love, and that you were welcome to receive it. So this morning, He brings us back to that moment. He says, I have something for you. I want to give you my grace. I want to give you my love. I am among you now. Whenever two or more of you come together, I'll be there. The Bible says that on the night our Lord was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it, gave it to his disciples. He said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take it and eat it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. Lord Jesus, we are filled with thanksgiving this morning for the gift that you give us, the gift of your grace, of your finished work on the cross. Lord, you have taken away our sins. You have washed our souls. We thank you this morning. And humbly, we receive your gift, God, neither earning it nor deserving it, but delighting in receiving it. Thank you, Jesus, for what you have done for us. The Bible says afterwards he lifted up the cup, and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood. This means, this means that I don't merely wash away your past, but I hold your future. I hold your future in my hands. No wicked king in this world holds your future in his hands. I hold your future in my hands. And he says, I want you to remember that. So he said, this cup is that promise, that new covenant. Drink it in remembrance of me. Let's receive together. 
Father, we thank you that you have the last word over kings and nations or over the wicked and over the righteous. And we rest in your promise this morning. God, help us to lift our eyes beyond what we see around us to the promise you have given us. More sure and certain than anything in the world. We thank you for that this morning. We receive from you, Jesus. Renew us as we do. We pray it in your great name. Amen. We're going to continue in worship. We're going to sing my favorite hymn. And I know it's a favorite of a lot of us. Would you stand as we continue in worship this morning?
because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption, so that as it is written, let the one who boasts, boast in the Lord. You see, church, we need him to be our vision. We need him to guide us through the dark of this world. We need his presence to be our light. Lord, we pray. We may not see the path ahead. It may be filled with twists and turns, but let our eyes be fixed on you. For you are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And though we walk through the valley of death, we shall fear no evil. You are with us always, even to the end of the age. And so we boast in the Lord and proclaim your name in this place, we pray. Amen. Yes, amen, church. You know, one day the world will fade away. And what we see only dimly now, we will then see in its full glory, our King in all his glory. Well, welcome to church today. Welcome to second service here at MRCC. We're family here. Would you make those around you feel like family today? And would you say, be thou my vision and point to the sky. Welcome to Second Service here at MRCC. Welcome to everybody who's joining us online as well. We're thrilled that you're with us and we're together in spirit. And, and, and friends, let's never forget that one of these days, one of these days, we're going to come together like this to greet and we're going to be at the Father's house. We're going to be home. And the whole journey is going to be behind us. Charla, who sits behind me over there, said, and when we get to the Father's house, I'm going to invite you to my room so you can see it. So, Charlie, I'm going to decline that invitation. Just not, not be there. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. But, yeah, that's what's going to happen. That's how this whole story is going to end. And, and, and let's not hurry past the point. Boy, this has really grown on my heart over the years. Let's not hurry past the fact that God delights in our coming together. So much so. So much so. I mean, when we look around and we're unimpressed, he looks around and he's thrilled. Because when we call one another brother and sister, we're also calling him father. Amen. Yeah, that's real. That's real. That him still be my vision, O ruler of all. 
I, I get misty-eyed every time. So uh, good, to see you. good to be with you. A couple of announcements that I want to share with you before we open the Word this morning. One is that if you want to get connected at MRCC, get part of a serving team, be part of a home group, or you can do that anytime you like. We want to include you. Um, and one of the ways you can let us know is by filling out that card in the seat back in front of you or scanning that QR code in the seat back in front of you, going to the church website, stopping by the guest center. Lots of ways. We'd love to get you connected if that's your desire, if you're ready for that, if that's your heart. And, and by the way, a couple of new home groups are forming out of our membership class that winds up this evening. So it's a great time to jump in. If you'd like to investigate that, explore that a little bit, just let us know. Uh, call the office, scan the QR code, let us know, drop off a, a little guest card. That's terrific. In, in terms of fellowship, there's a new thing also starting up here this spring at MRCC. It's called Dinners Are Us. And it's really just a simple idea. And what that is, is that every couple of weeks, four couples are going to gather together at the home of one of those couples and just get to know each other, just have dinner together that night. It's not a long-term commitment, it's a short-term commitment, but it's an opportunity to make friends, to connect, to enjoy what one of the gifts God gives us, which is called fellowship. And if you'd like to be part of that, a lot of folks are signed up already. You can stop by the guest center, contact the church office, go through the website, all the usual ways. We'd like to include you in dinners are us. If you're of a certain age, if you can remember the 80s, raise your hand. Some of us can remember the 80s. It was called Dinners for Eight back there, but don't say anything. It's a brand new thing called Dinners Are Us. So uh, that's going to be happening. You're invited to be a part of that. Um, also this afternoon, if you're west of 55, is Prime Timers Lunch will be happening down the hall in Rome 105 after third service, about 1230. You're invited to be a part of that. Your neighbor, anybody else who's of that generation is invited to be a part of that. So take note of that. And then I, I want to invite Norm to come join me up front. Where is he? He's going to come up here in this uniform, which represents the Royal Rangers, which is a, uh, a ministry. We've got to get you a mic here. Uh, I think this one's good. Yep. Is that one on? Check, check. I, I don't know. Talk into that, Norm. Hello. Is that on? No? Let me turn it on. I think it's on now. I think it's on. Norm, tell us a little bit about Royal Rangers. Hi. Morning, brothers and sisters. Mm. I'm Norm Arnold. I'm the Royal Ranger coordinator for Outpost 22, Mount Rainier Christian. Uh, Royal Rangers is a mentoring training program for young boys and men, young men. Uh, we go grades, uh, first grade, kindergarten, all the way up to high school. Uh, we divide into four different groups, so the boys are with each other. Uh, for sure, we do lots of outdoor activities, uh, hiking, camping, knife craft, tool craft, but we also have uh, Bible-based studies. Every week we go over what does it mean to be a Christian, loyalty, honor, kindness, all the fruits of the Spirit from Galatians 5. So if you have sons or grandsons and you want them to uh, benefit from our group, we meet every Sunday here, 2 to 4. Uh, please join us. We'll have a table out here for Perfect, Norm. Thank you. Why don't you, yeah, we'll just leave that right here. Yeah. Thanks, brother. Mm -hmm. Thanks. 
one more thing before we open the word together, uh, friends. Many of you have graciously responded when I brought up the issue of serving refugees uh, from Ukraine, in, uh, in refugees from the war a couple of weeks ago. We as a church jumped in and, and gave to that cause very generously, and we will continue to going forward. And uh, I, I, the missionary told us then there may be a need for people to come over and serve in the field among the refugees. And he sort of asked us to be on standby about that. And, and a number of folks have asked me, hey, where are we with that? We're still on standby. Uh, at, at the moment, between the governments and the churches that are already there, uh, the, the needs are being addressed in terms of folks serving. Uh, all they're really asking for is donations to continue to provide supplies we are doing that as a church. You can do that as an individual as well. Go through our church website for that, Convoy of Hope. But um, just wanted to give you a heads up. We're just waiting for them to say, hey, we need a team here or we need a team there. We don't just want to rush over there and <laughs> be in the way or uh, needlessly expend resources just to make ourselves feel better. We're waiting for the moment when that need uh, is acute and when they need us. So we're still on standby. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your patience. And we'll keep you posted. I'll keep you posted. I want to invite Pastor Darius to come up front and join us right now. We are committed as a church to raising up the next generation. He is part of that. And the message that Pastor Darius brought in first service this morning, I already told him this. God spoke very specifically to me. And if you open your heart, he's going to speak to you as well. So Pastor Darius, open the word for us, would you, brother? Gentle applause is all I ask. <laughs> so, uh, my name is Pastor Darius. Uh, well, my name is Darius. No one ever really calls me pastor. Uh, but I am a pastor, and I'm on staff here. I'm at Rainier Christian Center, and uh, I love being a part of this church. So uh, thank you for letting me be a, be a part of this church with you. Uh, I feel really, really, really clearly and definitely uh, like God is saying something specific this morning. Your mic is on. Uh, I can hear you breathing, um, <laughs> just so that someone knows. Um, <laughs> I don't want to hear consternate. <sighs> totally kidding. <laughs> um, but I feel really specifically and clearly, uh, I got really emotional during the first, like it's a big surprise, but I got really emotional during the first uh, service because um, we're singing that song, uh, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And uh, I just genuinely feel like and believe this morning that God wants to bring freedom in this place this morning. Where there is bondage and there is addiction, where there are um, secrets and there are lies, God wants to bring freedom. Not in a um, condemning way. Oh, Romans 12 tells us that there's now Therefore, no condemnation for those who are in Christ because the law of the spirit of life has set us free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Not condemnation, but loving, gentle, kind freedom in this place today and freedom through our church. Um, really quickly, when I was uh, we were at, on Wednesday night, I served in our youth ministry. One of the things that I have the privilege of doing is helping our youth pastor. We have an amazing youth ministry, amazing youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Don't clap. No, they don't deserve it. Um, it took you too long. If that's what you really think, then fine. Um, 
And we have an amazing youth pastor, an amazing youth ministry, and Pastor Josh doing an amazing job with our youth ministry. And I get to serve him, help him, come alongside him, equip him, and, and, and most of the time I'm part of our youth ministry on Wednesday night. On uh, Wednesday night, we had a great group of kids and a great, amazing, hilarious group of, of younger kids um, that uh, made me and my friend Billy want to pull our hair out or their hair out. And um, we took them outside. We, had, we talked with them, encouraged them, uh, rallied with them. They're great kids, uh, great kids. And so as we're praying for them and we're helping them on Wednesday night, we're trying to connect with parents uh, and just try to give some encouragement to some different parents of different students uh, that were having a hard time on Wednesday night as, uh, as they came. And as we started to connect with parents, it became apparent, um, pun intended, that there's not just dysfunction and difficulty at the level of the kids, but obviously there's bondage in the, in the homes. And uh, I just, you know, this community that we live in, um, it's not all people that go to MRCC. Uh, there are a lot of hurting and broken people with hurt and pain and bondage that need God's freedom, the same way that you and me need God's freedom in our life. And I'm believing in this season that where the spirit of the Lord is, there's going to be freedom. And so, God, I just pray that over this message, over this morning, over this church, and God, over this community, that your spirit is here. 2 Corinthians 3.17 says it, and there is freedom here where your spirit is. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Uh, we're going to read a big chunk of scripture this morning. So if you've got your Bible, go to Genesis chapter 12. Get that out. Uh, if you've got the Bible app on your phone, obviously there's lots of different Bible apps for your phone. If you don't have the Bible app on your phone, good luck with the Wi-Fi. You can download it if you dare. Uh, we're going to go to Genesis chapter 12. We're going to start in verse 1. And again, we're going to read a pretty good chunk here, so uh, try to bear with me and uh, keep with me. It will be on the screen for you. Genesis chapter 12, starting in verse 1. Now the Lord had said to Abram, here I'll read it from the screen because my Bible is slightly different. Now the Lord said to Abram, go up from your country, from your family, and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. All right, we made it through the big chunk of scripture. Thank you guys so much. You did a good job. You did a good job. And we learned something today. All right. Uh, we are going to camp here on this scripture this morning. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. We're going to look at some different texts in the Bible. Uh, we're going to go some different places. And uh, while we do that uh, this morning, I'm praying that God would speak to us. In Genesis chapter 12, uh, what happens in the backstory here is that uh, Abram is on his way to the land of Canaan, but he stops at a place called Haran, and uh, his family stops there. They don't go any further, and so God comes to Abram and says, Abram, I want to take you somewhere else. The cool thing about this is that uh, if you really look at the text and you start to examine this, it, there's no evidence that we have that Abram knows God or has known God before. We have no evidence that Abram was a God-worshipping person before or that Abram knew God before. Actually, what we do have is evidence that Abram's family worshipped the moon. 
which sounds kind of cool, but also bad. And uh, we know this because Abram's brother uh, Haran and his wife Milcah, they have names that are named after the moon god that people would have worshipped in Ur where they lived. And so Abram and his family, they have really no context, no probably very little or no knowledge of God. But God comes to them and calls them out. What's also happened that we can see here is that Abram and his family have experienced loss. And we'll get into that in a minute. If we go back to Genesis chapter 11, verse 27, just five verses previous, we see that the Abram's family has actually been through a lot in, in what seems like a pretty short period of time. Uh, but God gives Abram an invitation. I'm a person that likes to have an invitation when I go somewhere. I don't know if anyone else is like me. I know I'm a little weird, and by a little weird, I mean I'm a lot weird, um, but I like to have an invitation when I go somewhere. I, I like someone to tell me I'm in the right place. I don't like hanging out at places I'm not supposed to be in. Yesterday, uh, or Friday night, we went to a conference with the youth students, and I was supposed to go meet someone in the backstage room to have a meeting with a group of people before one of the services. And I got back there and didn't recognize anyone and immediately knew that I was, that I, that I was like the odd person out. And it wasn't that I wasn't allowed back there. I actually was allowed back there, and everyone was really kind to me. But for 30 minutes, I sat back there waiting for the meeting to start, and I just sweat nonstop. I don't like to be places that I'm not supposed, that I don't feel like I'm supposed to be. It's actually very silly. I was recently on vacation, and, and I'm, I'm, we're talking about the scripture, I promise. But I was recently on vacation, and, uh, and my wife found a coffee shop at a hotel that was at like a resort hotel near us. And we were allowed to go there. It was open. You can just go and visit. So we, we go there. We get dropped off there. Uh, we get coffee. I spill both the coffees. We get more coffees. That's a real thing. Um, be careful around me. Your drinks are not safe. And so, and then we go and we see there's like a little cafe that's behind some closed doors. And it looks nice. And on, on the inside of this cafe, uh, it looks so nice. Everything's like fake marble, so it looks special and, and nice. It's supposed to look like it's a resort that looks like you're in the Mediterranean, which is probably the closest to the real Mediterranean I'll ever get. And so it's it beautiful. And through the window, uh, I could see like the piece de resistance was they had Coke freestyle machines. For those of you who are not aware with the Coke freestyle machine, it's a touchscreen soda fountain, and they have every flavor of Coca-Cola imaginable. Okay, obviously, you, obviously, that's fine. You can, I can feel you judging me because of my addiction. You have yours, and let me have mine. You can, get, you can get vanilla Coke. You can get lime Coke. You can get cherry Coke. You can get Coke with grenadine. You can get Sprite-flavored Coke. The, the limitless possibilities are there. And I'm looking through drooling over the, and, and we're not, I, I feel like we're not supposed to go in. There's no sign. There's no, no one telling us we're not supposed to go in, but there's a card reader, like for a key card next to the door. And so I see the door, and I see the key card reader, and I know that I don't have the card to stay at the resort. So I just look at my wife and say, well, we're not supposed to go in. We're not supposed to go in. We're not invited. I didn't get an invitation in the mail. We're not supposed to go in. And a guy comes up right behind us and says, is there a problem with the door? And we said, yeah, yeah, we, it's, uh, it's not opening for us. And I said that. I said it's not opening for us. <laughs> That's how deeply convicted I am. And he goes, oh, okay, well, let's go find another door. He's not an employee. He's just uh, not dumb. And he goes, let's go find another door. And uh, he, he, we follow him, and we go through. And then he walks up to another door that's got a card reader next to it uh, down. And he opens that door. And I think this is exactly what I'm wanting, someone to open the door for me. 
that feels like I have an invitation. So very nice gentleman. We go in with him. We're like, thank you, thank you, thank you. And as we walk by, my wife and I are like, you know what? The first door was probably unlocked. And as we walk back by the interior of the first door that we knew, that I knew was locked, I tap it to see if it'll swing open. And sure enough, there's no, it's just wide swinging in the breeze. And sometimes I think that I'm not supposed to go to what's next because I don't think that I'm supposed to be there. Abram has this moment where he leaves the land of Ur, he goes to a plan called Haran, and then it's about halfway in between uh, Ur and the final, what should be the final destination, which is a land called Canaan. And Abram stops halfway, and for whatever reason, Abram doesn't believe he's supposed to continue on to the land that's flowing with milk and honey and Coke Freestyle. And he stops in front. What's interesting is this, is that Abram and his family, they experience actually a lot of loss here. In Ur, here's what happens is Abraham's father, Terah, he has three sons, Narah, Abram, and Haran. And it says while they were living in the land of Ur in verse 27, chapter 11, verse 27, while they were living in the land of Ur, Haran, Terah's son, died before the time of his father. Some of you in this room, you know that, or you know someone who knows that. The pain of losing someone before it's their time. So that's the first thing that Abram's family encounters, is they're living in the land of Ur and Haran, he dies. Then they move from Ur, and interestingly enough, they move to a town called Haran. If you recognize that, it's because I just said it, it's the name of Abram's brother. Now we don't know whether the, na- the city was called Haran, and it just happens to be the same name as Abram's brother who passed away. Or if Terah and his family moved there and then named the place after their deceased son. I'm inclined to believe the latter, but it could be either. Either way, they find themselves living in a place that's a constant reminder of the loss they suffered before. And then to round out the end of Genesis chapter 11, just in like three verses, it says, then when they got to the land of Haran, Terah, Abraham's father, died. Many of you in this room know the pain of that, of losing a father. Then immediately afterward, it says, and then they found out that Abram and Sarai could not, Abraham and Sarah, they'll later be called, they could not conceive they were barren. So here within three or four verses, Abram loses his brother. He moves to a town that's a constant reminder of his brother's death. He loses his father, and then he loses his future children. And that's where God comes to encounter Abraham in chapter 12. And so I want to get into it this morning, but what I'm encouraging you is this, is if you've had pain and you've had loss and you've had experiences that you're reliving or pain that you seem like you're in a cycle of, God is coming to you today and he's inviting you out into the unknown. Just like Elsa, he's inviting you out into the unknown. He's inviting you somewhere that you haven't seen and you haven't been, but he's promising that there's healing for you there healing for your soul there, there's freedom for you there, that there's better on the other side. And if you're stuck somewhere or you're stuck in your past, God is inviting you to take a look at what your future is with him. So the first thing is this, quickly getting into it. The first thing uh, when God calls us is that God knows our past and he knows our future. And man, I just want to just take a second to remind us how good our God is. 
when we, re, when we remember how good our God is, so many other things change in their significance and importance in our life. And I, I, obviously, it's review for most of us. Yeah, we get it. God is good. But man, I don't care because I could talk about it all day, so I'm sorry. But God is so good. God is not a God who's limited. He's not a God who's limited and doesn't know what's happening next. He's not, a God who, he's not a God who is confused or taken by surprise. You ever see those videos on the internet of someone who tries to scare their dad? I love those. And some dads, they fail. But then other dads, they walk in the room, and the kids will be like, we're going to scare our dad. And the dad walks in, and the kids all go, ah! And the dad goes, nice try, kids. Just like he's unfazed. That's God. He's unfazed by the surprises. He's completely unfazed. Some of us think that we're surprising God. God, you never knew that this was going to happen. Come on. God knew. God, I, God, God, I, I love this. This is something that I've always served people. Since I was in high school, I got saved and I started ministering to people at my high school. I've always heard people say, well, if, but God doesn't know how bad I am. I'm like, he's met other people. He's aware. <laughs> You're, God knows. He knows your past. Man, it, you, some of us have experienced what it's like to love someone who knows our past. It's, if you've ever seen people who get, um, who, who get, like they meet and they get into a relationship at like uh, a recovery ministry, uh, like an Alcoholics Anonymous, a Narcotics Anonymous. Uh, we had an amazing recovery ministry at the, the last church that I worked at. And people would meet there and they would, they would develop deep, rich relationships and they would get married. And there was something so beautiful about the fact that they knew everything about each other's past. And they loved each other unconditionally. There were no, there's no need Right? When you meet someone in a context like that, there's no need for secrets. There's no, need to, there's no need to pretend like you've had it better or you've done better. This is God. God knows every mistake you've made, every pain you've had, every hurt you've had, everything that you've done and that's been done to you. God already knows he's been back there and he's up ahead of us as well. Some of us want a plan. Like I like it when we have a plan. I like it when someone, I don't like it when someone wants to work with me and tell me, okay, and then now we're gonna do this. Do this for 30 minutes. And then 30 minutes, we go, okay, now we're switching tasks. Forget that. No, thank you. Give me the list. Tell me what needs to be done today or this week, this month or this year. <laughs> and I'll get all of it done early enough to get done an hour early and go have a Coke freestyle. But that's my, that's my preference. I like to have a plan. And some of us, we, we want a plan so bad. And God is promising us that he's better than a plan. God is not a plan. He's a person, and he's a person that's a promise. Hebrews 6, 19, it says it this way. I'm going to read it off the screen again. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Uh, Melchizedek is the first priest that we ever see in scripture. So it's saying Jesus is before the first and he's better than the last. He's above, he's the high priest. He goes before us to be the anchor and the hope for us. That's what the promise is. This is really cool. Um, I recently had, uh, had someone get a hold of me like five years ago. Um, we were at a, a winter camp. I was a youth pastor at a, at a different church, and uh, we had a winter camp, and it got late, and we were doing our service, and, you know, it was like 10.30 p.m., 
If you've ever done youth ministry, you know uh, everything gets so spiritual at like 10.30 p.m. Um, <laughs> youth ministry is so great. It's like Hannah Montana. It's the best of both worlds. Uh, at 10.30, yeah, I said it. You didn't think I would go to Hannah Montana. I'm there. And, uh, and it, at 10.30 p.m., it's like the worst of every kid comes out and the best of all the spiritual stuff comes out and somehow it works. It's magic. And um, we're getting to Austria and we're doing like an altar call down at the front of the room and I'm, we're praying over kids and we're inviting kids to the front to pray and worship. And uh, I have a moment of insanity and I'm like, I'm gonna, I've, I just have a special word from God uh, for these three young men. And so bring these three like seventh grade kids down to the front and uh, I started saying, like, God, I think God's going to do this in your life. I think God's going to do this in your life. And I think God's going to do this in your life. And I, I start praying and, and speaking over this young guy. And I said, man, I believe that God's going to get a hold of you. And people are going to look at you. And they're going to see your faith. And you're only in seventh grade now. But, man, by the time you graduate high school, people are going to see what God's done in your life for his glory. And it's going to be a revival. And the world's going to be changed. Hallelujah! get back from camp and we're all excited so great and he's there the next week and i'm like yeah that's right that's right and then the next week he's not there and i'm like okay he must be busy tonight and the next week he's not there and the next month he's not there and i'm like that kid died uh he's not around and uh thankfully he didn't um a few months later i saw him he came on a trip with us pray with him talk with him uh so cool and then i never saw him again never he never died. That's right. Uh, I never saw him again. Um, I, I thought about him every year. I thought, man, I, I really, really wonder how this kid's doing. I hope he's doing good. I reach out to him. Hey, man, you should come to church. Oh, I'm busy. Okay, cool, cool. I don't want to bother you. I haven't talked to him in years. And just recently I started thinking, like, what is, what is the point of all this? What's the point of me What's the point of me calling out the promise of God for someone's life if I'm just up there, like, full of hot air? I started thinking, like, God, am I misinterpreting your promise? Was that just, was that a moment where I was just way out in left field? And, and should I stop speaking into kids' lives like that? Because maybe it's just, sure, it seems powerful, and sure, they respond, but maybe it's just stupid. Maybe it's just, maybe it's just a waste of time. Maybe it's just me, and there's nothing spiritual in it at all. And then we had Wednesday night this last week where I was, volu- I was, I was there with the youth ministry. And uh, me and Billy, we have these kids, and they're so rowdy. And they're, like, yelling in Billy's face. <laughs> I, I, I thought Billy's brain was going to break. Uh, and uh, Wednesday night happens. Get done. Great night of youth ministry. Uh, awful night of youth ministry. Great night of youth ministry. That's how it goes. Thursday morning, I wake up to a message from Eric. I haven't seen him in four years. He said, hey, man, I haven't been to church in a long time. But I just started going again. I just felt like God told me I had to start going again recently. He's a senior in high school. He sent me a picture. He said, I opened my Bible for the first time in a long time. In the very front of my Bible, the first thing I saw was a, a note that you'd written. He sent me a picture of the note that I wrote in his Bible when he got a new Bible after that camp. And he sent me a video. The video was 
some, uh, someone took a video of the church service he was at two weeks ago, and somebody was praying and, and, and speaking into his life and saying, God's going to use you and do something powerful. He's a senior in high school. He graduates in a few months, and I'm praying and believing that God's going to continue to fulfill the promises that have been spoken for years over this kid's life. Here's my point, is that in my mind, that promise was not only forgotten, but it was a failed promise. And God is not a God who forgets his promise, but if he said it, he'll do it. If he's spoken it, he'll fulfill it. If God has given us a promise, he's not going to fail in it. John chapter 14, 16, God promises that he'll give us the Holy Spirit that will be with us at the end of the age. In John chapter 15, uh, verse 11, he, God, uh, Jesus says, I, I, I promise you this, I'm going to give you joy, and my joy will be in you, and your joy will be full. In John chapter 16, verse 33, God promises us this. He says, uh, take heart, in this world you'll have tribulation, but take heart because I've overcome the world. That's a promise that I'm giving to you. And man, God's promises are so big. And we can't forget how big God is and how big his promises are. We can't forget that God is always going to fulfill what he's promised to fulfill. The second thing is this, is that when we, when we follow God into the unknown, it will cost us, but it will be worth it. When we follow God into the unknown, it will cost us, but it will be worth it. I went to the, it was at the we were at the airport. We recently got, my wife and I got back from vacation We've been married for 11 years. My wife looks like she's 20. So people are like, what do you mean 11 years? I'm like, well, we got married when I was nine. <laughs> we were celebrating our anniversary, and we uh, were on our way back from the airport. We got to the airport, and I kid you not, there were more than 1,000 people from the same cheerleading competition in line of security. And I was like, this is the end of the world. All those people in Hollywood writing about zombie apocalypses, writing about nuclear fallout, forget about it. The movie's going to be called Cheerleader Security Line. <laughs> it's a full-on, never-ending nightmare. If you do cheerleading, bless you. Um, go Wildcats. And... Um, we got in line for security, and the funny thing to me about the airport is this... <laughs> is the airport is the most perfect picture in the world of how much we don't want to let go of our garbage. And I mean that metaphorically, because people at the airport just won't let go of their garbage. They won't, they won't quit with the same old nonsense. I also mean it literally, because no matter what you're doing, there's always a 30-minute line to check a bag the line when we got to security, I went over to go talk to a gate attendant because we were going to miss our flight because we didn't think the line was going to be that long. That's my bad. There, the line was 45 minutes just to go get in line with the check bags to talk to a gate attendant because there's so many people that had to have so many suitcases of pom-poms. Like, guys, two is enough. Maybe a few of you could share. And when we go somewhere, if you and I were told today and God said, you're going to get on a one-way plane and you're going to go and when you land that plane, you're going to be with me in paradise forever, me and you would be like, ooh, great. So what's the carry-on situation? Is it like, <laughs> is there overhead space? <laughs> Can you send me the dimensions? I, and I'm not an exception. Like, the reason I don't check bags is because I'm cheap. But me and my wife get on the plane, and we've got two of the biggest carry-on suitcases you've ever seen in your life. 
And the people in first class give me the dirtiest looks. <laughs> what are you doing? I'm winning. And I'm just bumping every chair. I'm not winning at all. Anyway, my point is this, and I, my, I do it serious. My point is that we think that what we're carrying is going to save us, but God is calling and inviting us to let go so that he can give us what only he can give us. We think that what we're holding on to is going to fix it, but God is calling us to let go so that he can bring a solution that we haven't seen yet. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17, it says, Now the Spirit of the Lord is here, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. There's not freedom in the luggage. There's not freedom in the baggage. There's not freedom in the carry-on. There's not freedom in what you can handle. There's not freedom in what you can hold. There's freedom in letting go of the known and saying yes to the unknown. I don't know what's going to happen, but I know if God is in it, it will be worth it. I had a friend a few years ago. Uh, he's still a friend of mine. But I had a friend, and a few years ago, he he just got married. They've been married for about a year. And uh, he knew one day that it was time for him to uh, come clean to his wife. So after just a year of being married, um, him and his wife were having a conversation, and he decided he had to tell her that he had been dealing with uh, a long, long pornography addiction that had been before they were married, since they were married, up until recently. And that was a few years ago. And it, at that point, it cost them everything. It cost her all the security that she felt. How do you feel secure and safe living with someone who has betrayed you? You know, that's, that's everything. It cost him everything because for the next three years, maybe two, maybe not quite three, at least two years, every time I saw his wife, she said, well, I really just want to divorce him, but I haven't yet. I've never, I've never seen someone so angry at their spouse. She was angry. He got angry because she was always angry. She got sad because he was angry because she was angry. He got sad because she was angry because he was angry because she was angry. And then she got angry because he was sad because she was angry because he was angry because she was angry. And it was just so rough. I remember talking to him on the phone. I mean, I mean it was just devastating. It was devastating for both of them. He was, uh, he was in ministry. They gave up their job. They, they had to take a break from, I mean, they had to take a break from, he had, he had no, they had no future. They thought this is going to be the end. You spend time with them today, and the decision that, that they made to continue forward, just to be clear, really, she had every right to divorce him. She did. He was unfaithful. He had betrayed her. He had gone outside the bounds of their marriage, even in a, in a Christian, biblical way. She had every permission to, to, to leave her husband. But they sacrificed that. They sacrificed what felt right in the moment. They sac- he sacrificed what felt safe, keeping his secrets hidden. She sacrificed what felt safe, which was running away from the situation. And they gave up everything so that they could pursue what God's unknown was for them. Man, you spend time with them today, and there is healing. There is redemption. Two of, two of the 
people that love each other the most in the world. Their marriage is full of love, full of honesty, full of life, full of care for one another. And I'm, I'm just promising you that if you've got something that's bondage in your life, man, I know I have people close to me who I've watched in bondage of addiction, alcoholism, drug addiction for years. And I understand, I do, because addiction is almost always, I would probably say always, a response to a brokenness that you're trying to deal with inside of you. And I get it. If you give up whatever medicine your addiction is medicine for, if you give that up, then yes, it's scary because you have to deal then without that coping mechanism. You have to deal with the real dirt and the garbage and the luggage that you've been holding around and carrying around. But man, I want to promise you and encourage you that where where the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And if you today could follow Jesus into Letting go of some of that, God would give, he would bring so much more healing that you've never imagined. Abram, right, he lives in the land of Haran. It's a city, it's the same name as his brother that died. Wakes up every day remembering his mourning. His father dies there. His wife finds out she's barren there. He loses his future children there. And instead of continuing on out of it, he stays there because it's safe. And so I understand if you're staying where you're staying because it feels safe, God understands. He's been behind you. He knows what you've been through, but he's also been before you. And he's calling you into the unknown because there's healing that you haven't imagined yet. There's forgiveness. Some of you are holding on to bitterness, and everyone knows this, but it's so good to hear it. You're holding on to bitterness. The healing of forgiveness is so much better than the anger of bitterness. And I get that there's fear, but God is calling us into the unknown because he has healing for us. He calls Abram out of the land of, out of, the land of Haran and into a land that's full of blessing and full of promise. The last thing, the third thing is this, uh, is that Ur or Haran, they're not the lands that we are meant to live in. Those are not the places that we're meant to live in. Uh, Jeremiah 42, verse 10, um, God's people are living in exile, but God has brought them to exile on purpose, meaning they lived in Israel, and God brought them out of Israel as slaves to another land. Not an ideal situation, but God brings them there for a reason and a purpose. It's an unknown place to them, but God says there's things that I can do here that I can only do here. There's things that I can heal in you here that I can only heal in you here. Jeremiah 42, 10, he says, if you will remain in this new land, then I will build you up and not pull you down. I will plant you and not uproot you, not pull you up. For I've relented, turned away from, canceled the disaster that was planned for you. It's so funny watching me wait to go into a door, just trying to get some lime, vanilla, root beer flavored Coke, whatever. I look so silly. What's less funny is when you're waiting on the inside of a cage to get out of a cage and the door is open and unlocked but you're afraid to leave what's known for what's unknown 
in a book called uh, The Body Keeps the Score. It's written by a guy who's been treating uh, post-traumatic stress disorder for several decades. It's really a prolific guy, wonderful guy, uh, counseling, psychiatrist, and therapist. Um, tells a story about these dogs that they, that they studied. And the reason they studied them was these dogs had been abused, and every time the dogs, dogs were, they had a shock collar, and every time they left their cage, they were shocked. Every time they left their cage, they were hurt and abused. They experienced pain. Probably similar to how Abram thought about leaving behind the land that his father had died in. But he stayed in the land where he had, he had nothing but pain because the pain was known. And they could, they could take this cage with these dogs and they could put food and water right outside of the cage. You know what the dogs would do? The dogs would just lay there because the pain of starvation was known and it was less scary than the pain of leaving the cage and experiencing whatever abuse lie on the outside. And for those of you who are suffering because you're in a cage and Jesus has opened the door but you're afraid to leave, for those of you who are watching online and you're, you're still dealing with the same issues, you're still dealing with the same dysfunction, you're still dealing with the same sin, or you're still dealing with the same addiction, and you're still dealing with the same bondage. For those of you who have family members who are still dealing with the same bondage, we stand in the gap for them today. Because Jesus is he's not just the God that calls us and asks us to be faithful. You know what? God is the God who is faithful when we are unfaithful. He isn't the God that says, oh, I want you to leave the bad place. He's the God that descended to the bad place. On the cross, he was crucified. Scripture says that he descended to hell on our behalf and then rose again and then rose from the grave and then ascended to heaven, making a clear path. What does it call him? In Hebrews 6, 19, the forerunner for us. The forerunner, he went before us and did everything that we could not accomplish. He actually comes and he comes into the cage and he opens the door and he gets on his knee and he begins to say, child, I'm here with you. I'm here for you. I'm bringing healing to you. He begins to pray over us. He begins to speak kindly to us. He begins to heal us. And then eventually, he begins to help us stand. He begins to walk us out of the cage. He begins to walk us through the door. Man, There's so much more freedom and healing. I have to come clean because and we're gonna we're gonna end, but I have to come clean because I am I am a prosperity gospel preacher and I get a lot of flack for it and uh, I people really hate the prosperity gospel stuff and I, I know it's all over TV and and I get it. John 10:10 says the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but I have come to give you life and life abundantly. The the thing that's different is our definition of prosperity and the worldly definition of prosperity just don't look the same. Because prosperity to me is what God says in the fruit of the Spirit that we have love, joy, peace, 
patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. I don't need money. I don't need comfort. And I don't need security. When I have the love of God, so do I need the prosperity this world has to offer? Absolutely not. I want to leave that luggage at home. And I want to grab everything God has, the prosperity of his kingdom, not money and worldly things, not comfort and peace in this world, but peace that's fixed on the anchor that holds behind the innermost place, firm and secure. So God says to us today, if you're afraid to step out into the unknown, he knows, he understands, and he's, he's walking with you out today. With every eye closed and every head bowed this morning, just so that everyone has some privacy, I want to do two things, and it's time for me to be done. The first thing is this. If you're in this room today and there's bondage in your life, Maybe, maybe you have things that you need to share with someone and they're, and they're hurt that you have. You have maybe pain and hurt that you have been afraid to share with someone. I'm praying that this would be the week, that this would be the month, or this would be the year. I'm praying that at least today, God would begin to give you the peace and the comfort from his spirit. If you've, if you've got bondage that you've been keeping secret, if you've got addiction that you need healing from, my prayer is that today would be the day where God starts doing a new work. That conversations that are scary but healing would happen. The connection with the real, the real, not, the, not just m- metaphorically, metaphysically, spiritually, Hypothetical, but the real power and presence of the Holy Spirit would bring peace and comfort in unknown decisions today. If, you, if you're dealing with bondage this morning, would you just raise your hand? No one's looking at you, but I want to pray with you this morning. If you've got bondage that you need to get out of your life, I want to pray with you this morning. You can go ahead and put your hand up right now. I see hands going up. You're not the only person in the room, I promise. pray for the people who've been bold today and no one's going to look around so you can put your hand down if you put it up and then we're going to have one more thing Jesus right now I just pray for people in this room who have bondage people in this room who have addiction people in this room who need freedom that can only come from the name of Jesus right now God for those that lifted their hands we pray right now that the devil's hold that the devil's lies would be revealed to be what they really are, which is just meager attempts at control because he has no power. God, the ultimate authority is in your name. So God, we pray freedom in Jesus' name from bondage right now. Freedom in Jesus' name from addiction right now. Freedom in Jesus' name from hurt and from pain right now, God. We pray that you would let us walk out of that cage today. The door is open, the gate is open, and the Father's calling us in Jesus' name. The second thing is this. This is morning, if you've got someone in your life, a friend, a family member, a son, a daughter, a father, a mother, a cousin, an aunt, an uncle, a brother, a sister, and they have bondage in their life, 
you want to stand in the gap for them today and say, God, bring healing and bring freedom where there's confusion and there's pain. Would you lift your hand right now? Thank you. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's amazing when we, when we ask for a prayer like this, so many hands go up. We're, we are touched and connected this morning to so many people who, again, are like us. They need healing the same way we need God's healing. So if you wouldn't mind, if your hands are raised, would you put both your hands up for me? We're just going to raise our hands in victory for those who we're standing in the gap for today. Jesus, the same way that you intervened in my life, the same way that you brought healing in my life, I pray that you would bring healing, that you would bring freedom in lives around me. The same way, God, that you are working out freedom in my life the same way that you're still healing me, the same way that you're not done with me. We pray that you would continue that work in the lives of people around us. God, give us clear voices that are loving, that are compassionate, that are caring, and that lead not to us being right, but to the Father being the answer and the healer in Jesus' name. God, we pray that you would send us into the unknown of our world, the unknown and scary place of sometimes praying for someone when it's uncomfortable, sometimes talking to someone when we're exhausted, sometimes being a good listener when we don't want to be. We pray that you would take us into that unknown as well in Jesus' name. And God, we pray for freedom and victory in our city, in our families, in our schools, by your finished work. Everybody said amen. Amen. Hey, can you go ahead and stand and we'll dismiss this morning praying that the God who saved you, called you, and raised you from the dead would send you out whole, healed, and with his purpose today. In Jesus' name, amen.